The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everyone to another Follow him on Twitter uh, at BOC all day. Today is when, uh, Wednesday, December 29th. And all right, we had a long, long break. BOC, I hope you enjoyed your holidays. Uh, there's been no hoops, so really not, not much to talk about. But how are no, you? No, yeah. It's, it's that weird week between Christmas and New Year's where you don't know what day it is, you don't know what time it is. I have the uh, the holiday beard going. My hair is all disheveled. I look like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. Uh, so hopefully, you know tonight's game. If it, if it still goes off, it's, it'll be a return return to normalcy. So I'm hoping uh, hoping we get to watch some semblance of Providence and Seton Hall to naturally ranked teams play. Yep. So we are recording day of uh, because we had some scheduling conflicts. I came down with a cold. Luckily, it's just a cold. Uh, we did have a COVID scare uh, with some of the guys that went to the UConn game. I tested negative, and then like five days later, I called, and I was like, oh, "I got it. I'm good. Just a cold." Yeah, you're. Uh, you, you may have tested negative for COVID. Maybe it's positive for a holiday hangover. That might be what the case there. It could be. It's possible. It's very possible. Um, but yeah, so let let's jump right into it. Uh, PC hosting Seton Hall tonight, number 15 team in the country, Seton Hall Pirates make the trip to the dunk. Uh, game time's at seven on FS1. Seven. Is that yep, right? seven FS1. Yeah. Um, so obviously a huge game, but, you know, as we wrote on our article previewing the game, you know, it's kind of hard to get a sense of what we're going to get tonight uh, with both teams on long COVID pauses. Providence hasn't played since that win against UConn. Um, Seton Hall hasn't played in a long time. I think December 12th when they beat Rutgers was their last game. So they haven't played in 17 days. We haven't played in 12 days. So, I mean, I'm kind of at a loss here. Like, what do we expect going into this game? So I think, you know, for this podcast, we can go under the assumption that both teams – I mean, it's a false assumption. We can make our predictions on how the game will go, but everybody who listens to this, like, you know, in an hour or two, it could be starting players X, Y, Z for both teams are no longer eligible to play because of COVID and just throws a complete wrench into the entire game plan. So who the heck knows, honestly, what we're going to expect. Um, besides the layoffs, like you said, there's it's not going to be a full strength of roster. So who, nobody knows what to expect. I think 
this is where the culture of the team, the coaching staff, and the resilience is going to play off. And I think both teams have that in spades. So um, it's truly next man in. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm also a little bit concerned, and we wrote about this in the we wrote about this in the article. Normally, the dunk is where uh, ranked teams go to die. That's that's not the case. This might not be the case tonight because I have a feeling the audience isn't going to be all that great at the game because everybody is one maybe on vacation uh, due to holidays, but also they may be fearful of attending a game in person. So I don't know how great the uh, the audience is going to be and how much of a home court advantage it is going to be. So there's just so many question marks, which is you know the general theme with college basketball in year two of COVID. Um, so you just got to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you bring a good point. I don't think I'm going to go tonight um, with my cold. I, I just don't want to go and like start sneezing and people getting freaked out about me. So I'm going to sit home and, w- and watch on TV. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people might take that, that route uh, for this game for sure. Um, this would be the first game at the dunk where they have the new COVID rules where you got to be masked the entire game. We'll see how strictly they enforce that, but, um, you know, that's the new rules at the dunk. So, um, yeah, I, like, I, I think they'll get a good crowd, but packed like Texas Tech, no. Uh, it won't be like that. It won't be like your eye game. So, um, we'll, we'll kind of have to see here. Um, and you bring up a good point with who's going to be available, who's not. Um, there are reports that, I think Akuli did say there are some players in protocol. He didn't name who, um, but he said most of the team's vaccinated, which is awesome. Um, Seeing Hall, on the other hand, they haven't played in so long, but at the same time, they had a ton of guys that couldn't play due to COVID. So, um, and I was uh, I was reading I was reading in the local paper for those of you who listen that probably know, but I live in Jersey. Uh, I was reading in the local paper a preview of the game from like a Seton Hall perspective and Willard had some quotes, which are really telling, which is awesome to be able to read the local news. Willard said, we're absolutely not going to be at full strength and they haven't been able to practice a full five on five uh, scrimmage in practice, which is wild. So I think, I think um, they're probably going to be he even had, and this isn't any breaking news or anything, but he, he had some subtle reference to, like, the importance of Ike Obiago in this game against Nate Watson. And he was very coy and cryptic in how he described Obiago's impact on this game, saying we'll see how much of an impact he has. If he has an impact, we'll see about him. So this is going to be one of those things, and somebody asked me this on Twitter, this is going to be one of those things where we're not going to find out who's playing, who's not playing until, like, an hour or two before the game because – there's no benefit to either coach saying ahead of the game who's playing, who's not. Like, you got to keep that in-house, almost like an NFL coach kind of thing or any professional coach. Um, so it's just going to be, you know, like, you just – I've said this a million times already. You just don't know what you're going to get in this game. Yeah, I mean, hell, uh, didn't they tell you that Bottom wasn't playing against Uganda? And yeah. I know that wasn't COVID-related, but yeah. <laughs> there he is, suiting up, getting in the game when you thought he was a no-go. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely see, you know, Hall's off to a good start before their COVID pause uh, early in the – they played a really tough schedule. Credit Willard, I, I feel like he does that a lot. Uh, he's not afraid to challenge his group um, and, and see where the chips may fall. Um, they went on the road, beat Michigan early in the year. Obviously, 
things have kind of changed with Michigan. Everyone thought going into the year, they were a top uh, team in the country, a, a national title contender. They were, I believe, top five uh, going into the year. And Senal goes on the road. I believe Michigan had a big lead in that one late, too, and they choked it away. Uh, so, you know, Hall has a big win there. They beat Rutgers convincingly, but Rutgers has been up and down. Um, they beat Texas uh, with Chris Beard and his team, but they've kind of been up and down as well. But, you know, here they are. Uh, they got the 15th ranking in the country. They're 8-1. and one, So, I mean, they're, or excuse me, 9-1. Uh, yeah. So they're definitely a formidable opponent. Um, you know, it's funny. Going into the season, we gave our breakdown of where we saw each Big East team. And Corley and I both had seen all pretty low. Uh, and I'm eating my words on this, but but apparently BOC isn't. I, I think he's, he's holding firm in his stance on seeing all for now. I am. So, listen, they've started out great, and I think, I think there's still a lot to be determined in Big East play. One of the things that we mentioned was – you know, who's going to be their strong backcourt. And if you look at their stats to date, it, it, it kind of, it, it mirrors what I've said. It's they, they average 11 assists a game versus 11 turnovers a game. You know, that's a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio. That's not great. Compare that to the Providence, which isn't great by any means, but we're 14 assists to 11 turnovers. So they have a lot of front court depth. Uh, Roden is a stud. He's like a wing, like a, you know, a, bigger three, four type player. He's, a, he's playing great, but they really haven't shown anything in their backcourt yet to date um, from an offensive perspective. So if this game is going to be one with Seton Hall having to make buckets one-on-one and can, uh, create on their own, I feel great about how Providence is going to play. Um, I think the game is going to be one in the paint in the front court. who's going to be the tougher team, similar to the UConn game. Um, I probably gave too much credit to UConn's front court and not enough credit to Seton Hall's front court going into the season. Yet knows a great transfer. Uh, Obiagu is obviously fantastic. They have a lot of uh, Tyree Samuel. They just have a lot of depth in the front court. So um, I think it'll be a rock fight this game, and I think it'll be one in you know uh, offensive rebounds, second chance points, things like that. Not necessarily the guards dominating. Yeah, and I mean I, I think the most. I have to eat crow on would have to be my take on Jared Roden. Uh, I said he was more of a Rod, uh, a Robin than a Batman. Uh, he's making me eat my words. 17.4 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game, uh, shooting it at 41% from the floor. One thing about Roden, though, three-point shooting, never been a strong suit. This year is no different despite more attempts. He's shooting uh, – He's shooting 26.5% from three. So not ideal. And he takes close to four attempts per game. So he, take, he takes that many. That's that's crazy. Yeah, like 3.8 a game, I think. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 3.8 attempts per game. So um, he's a guy that will shoot it from three, but he hasn't had a ton of success at it this year. Um, so I'm thinking if I'm Cooley, you know, high dosage of, Justin Minaya in this one. I think yep. he's a pretty good matchup for, for Roden. They're both similarly built. Um, and, yeah, I, I would – if I'm Minaya and I'm the coaching staff, I try and, you know, have Minaya on him often and make him more of a jump shooter than a guy that's attacking the basket. That would be my game plan. 
I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, this might be one where Manai gets to start and they say, hey, forget about what you do offensively. All we care about is you shut, trying to shut down uh, Roden and attacking the glass. And if he does that, that's, that's, a, perfect, that's a perfect game for him. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. Make, make Roden beat us from the perimeter. And if we do that, I think we, I like our odds. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you look at their backcourt, um, I mean, one of the bigger developments for them would be, would be Bryce Aiken, the transfer from Harvard, um, battled injuries throughout his career at Harvard, came over to Seton Hall. And to be honest with you, his first season uh, with the Pirates was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, he yeah. only played 14 games. Um, I think like it's bad in terms of, of his stats from last year at Seton Hall. 14 games, 5.7 points per game. Um, it's not what they brought him in for, but credit to no. him. He's bounced back this year. Uh, he's played in every game so far, averaging 23.6 minutes per game. He's boosted that scoring to 11.2. So, and that's huge for them. Um, but the thing with, with Aiken so far, you look at his game logs, he either goes off or does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's critical. Like, if he, if he can get them, like, 15 points, that's massive. But if he gets them five points, then I think you would have to love PC's chances walking out with a win. Yeah, and, like, you look at, again, to my backcourt point, like, Aiken is going to probably create one-on-one. Um, their leading person on the assist, assist sheet is Kadari Richmond, the transfer from Hughes, only averages 3.4 assists a game. That's not great. Um, we're not too much better, but we have two, two guys who are above that, two guards who are above that in Bynum and Durham. So if they, you know, it's going to come down to if they, if they make tough shots, contested shots, and, and they make them on the perimeter, good for them. But I think Willard is going to say, hey, let's use our size in the front court and let's, let's see if Providence can match up with us. Again, this is all <laughs> under the assumption that everybody's healthy and that's not going to be the case. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a recording out after the game. Um, and we'll probably tell a different story because players X, Y, and Z are out for both teams and it changed the entire dynamic. So um, not great podcasting, but we're doing what we can with a really uh, uncertain environment. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about that front court. Um, I really like what Willard's done with it. Uh, Tyree Samuel is now the third leading scorer on the team. If you remember, he, he was a big time recruit. He's going to go to Q's. I don't know if he ended up going to Q's and transferring. I, think that was he went, the case. You went one year. One year, yeah. And uh, and finally, he's kind of rounding into form. 10.8 uh, points per game, uh, close to seven rebounds a game, a block, 1.2 blocks per game. So he, he's kind of a glass eater, rim protector, can score a little bit as well. Alexis Yetna, the transfer from U- USF. I really liked him at USF. Um, mm-hmm. You may not have watched too many AAC games, but, uh, but yeah, no, he's a good player. He's inside out big, uh, can stretch it from three, although the percentages aren't so much in his favor this year, but, but he's one of those pick and pop bigs that can score inside outside. Um, and he's solid on the glass as well. And then you got Obiagu, who's just has the funniest stat line (laughs) you can imagine. Um, you know, he's played in nine games. He only averages 16.1 minutes per game. He has more blocks per game than points or rebounds per game. That's <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Really? 
the uh, I mean, both of that's a, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. Uh, both of those stats are ridiculous. Like having more blocks and points and rebounds, you, th- you would think he would just double up like six or seven rebounds a game, but I guess not. No, he's he's only had two. 2.6 rebounds per game and 2.7 blocks per game. Um, so you'd have to imagine he's a guy that probably gets into foul trouble too. Uh, it's probably matchup dependent too with Willard on how much he wants to play him. But going back to your point about Willard that, that you read in the paper there, if he does go in this game, I bet you he, he logs more than 16 minutes. That would be my guess. I, I bet you they would want to get him out there a decent amount to try and slow down Watson set the tone in the paint that the buckets aren't going to be easy to come by. I mean, that was that one, the one thing in that UConn game, like, you know, granted they didn't have Sonogo, but we were all worried about their front court being physical and stopping us in the paint. But I, I, I felt like we scored at ease in the paint and in big situations um, that that Al awesome. Durham drive to the rim was pretty much uncontested. Uh, so so, yeah, I think Seton Hall brings another challenge in terms of the front court, um, their unique front court. But, you know, PC's answered the bell every time so far. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're a balanced team. They're, you know, they're obviously ranked 15th for a reason. I think you and I would probably agree they're probably not the 15th best team in the country. Um, but, um, they put together a good resume, um, and yeah, it should be a great game. They've, they've certainly helped themselves by like not playing for a couple of weeks because yeah, right? you know, we we rose one spot in the ranks without even playing. Um, right. So they, but they're a good team. I, you know, I think at the end of to be determined. I think at the end of the year we'll probably have to eat some crow when we thought about Hall. Uh, based off the early indications. Um, I love Willard. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great personality for the Big East. I have a lot of respect for their program. In many ways, they're the New Jersey equivalent of Providence, where it's, you know, it's a smaller school. It's, it's historically been pretty tough to win there, but if you get the right, the right coach and the right players, it's like a grit and grind kind of program. So I have the utmost respect for the Hall, and, you know, this would be, we have, what, the poll on Saturday, right? So you you not you get this win and you see what happens with Paul start to really shoot up shoot up in the ranks. So this is a massive opportunity for Providence. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, let's get the predictions then. Uh, I, I wrote you and I, were pretty, you, and I, you and I were pretty close, by the way. We were. Yeah. What did I say? Seventy six, seventy two. You said it was. I think you only said yeah, seventy six, seventy two. Crier, I had. 73 71 and i hedged myself by saying this is just a throw at the dartboard you know to uh there you go protect myself so uh yeah we i we both think it's not going to be i think scene hall averages 80 points a game we average a shade under 70 so we both of us kind of met in the middle there we both think it's going to be a close win i think providence at this juncture i think is favored by a point and a half yeah i think it's a point yep um you always get about two to three points being at home. So it's kind of a, it's truly a pick em. Um Yeah. Ken Palm likes them a lot more than us. That's for sure. Oh yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. How's Ken Palm been doing with all of our predictions all year? So that one's, yeah, that one's great. Um, we'll see. I think it's going to be a close one, but again, like this is where, 
Just where if you have any intel on either program, like you're really an insider on either program, this is like a perfect gambling opportunity. Oh, yeah. Because, for instance, say like, uh, I hope this doesn't happen, but say, say Rodin is out because of COVID, hammer the friars. Like if you have that information, and this is where you might want to track the, track the betting lines and the trends with where the money's coming in late, because that'll definitely tell you before something leaks who's playing and who's not playing. Yeah, and like I've mentioned it before, like with with college hoops especially, because you have, you know, HIPAA rules and all that, um, there's no like injury report. So you kind of just find out as it goes. And the lines don't change when guys are out. Sunogo, they announced he was going to be out like uh, about an hour before the game started. The line didn't change. So I hammered. They, they, announced, they announced Bynum was out and he still played. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> like, so it's, it's kind of a shit show. So um, yeah, keep, keep your, keep your eyes on the Twitter sphere and, and try and find out who's in, who's out for this game. If you want to put some action on it, uh, that's for sure. But should be a good one. I'm excited for it. Finally, we have some hoops, fingers crossed, obviously, because, you know, as of this recording, we're going we're gonna to try and get this out as, as ASAP. But as of this recording, it's quarter of one. The game is still on as of now. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, it might be an hour and a half, two hours, and uh, this game is canceled. So you can just listen to us rant about a non-existent game. So that's great. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the case, but who the heck knows. But I, we'll get – so what we'll do is we'll uh, – we can record tomorrow, assuming the game's played. We'll have a – Again, assuming the game's played, we'll have an article out about the game. And uh, I have a feeling the the things we talk about after the game are going to be drastically different than what we talked about before this game on this podcast because there's going to be some curveballs that are thrown out there about who's playing and who's not. And it's going to, like I've said, dramatically alter how the game is played, score, who ultimately wins. So we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the dunk uh, floor starts condensating again and people yeah, are yeah, flying no. all over the place and we got to finish the game at Alumni Hall in a few days. So oh my who God. knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- that's a wrap for this episode of the Province Crier Podcast. Once again, follow us on Twitter uh, at Province Crier. He's at BOC all day. Um, read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Give the pod a review if you like. We love all feedback. Uh even bad feedback. So that will do it for another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. See you later, Fire Time. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, eh? Crossover, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like M.A. Ho, I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh? Crossover, I might throw that Take them back to school Man up in my city